My dad was born and raised on a small island off the west coast of Ireland, and I was born here. When I was born, my dad insisted that I be named after his mother. She was also named Margaret, but everyone knew her as Peg. When I was growing up, I'd ask my dad why he insisted that I be named after his mom. And his answer was always the same, because you're just like her. But I never really knew what that meant. My dad wasn't really a storyteller. He never really talked about his childhood or his parents or growing up in Ireland or any of it. And so my family that lived on the other side of the world was always kind of a mystery to me. And especially my grandparents were mysterious. So about four years ago, my Uncle Benin came to visit. And my Uncle Benin's my dad's little brother. And he is a storyteller. And while he was visiting, he stayed with me. And every night, my Uncle Benin and I sat down at a dining room table, and we shared a cocktail, and he told me stories. And I got to ask him all the questions. And this was the story that really resonated with me. My grandmother, Peg Costello, was the oldest daughter of arguably the most influential person on the entire island. My great-grandfather, Coleman Costello, was the harbor master. He ran the boarding house. He had, was a farmer with potato fields. He had a small flock of sheep and a couple of cows. He was a man of influence. So whoever it was that won the heart and hand of Peg was going to hit the jackpot. My grandfather, Stephen, he grew up in a village on the other side of the island. And while the McDonough's were a really good family, they were nowhere near as influential as the Costellos were. And Stephen was the second-born son which meant that he wasn't going to inherit anything. Peg and Stephen grew up together. They went to school together. They pretty much knew each other their whole entire lives. And by the time they reached young adulthood, they had fallen in love. So my grandfather, Stephen, went to my great-grandfather, and he asked for Peg's hand in marriage. And my great-grandfather looked at him, and he said, no. <laughs> they were devastated and heartbroken, but they didn't lose their resolve. Instead, they came up with a plan. My grandmother, Peg, with, her, with help from her two younger sisters, came up with a, a story that she told her father about why she needed to get on the ferry to go to the mainland. Meanwhile, Stephen was telling his parents his own story about why he needed to get on the ferry to go to the mainland. So they ran away together on a ferry to Galway. When they got to Galway, they got onto a train that took them south to Cork. At Cork, they took the savings that they had scraped together and bought themselves third-class passage on a ship to New York City. Now, to get, <laughs> to get on the ship, they had to go through a health inspection, which my grandpa Stephen later said was the most humiliating experience of his life. They took all the young men and they stood them in a line on the pier, and they had all the young women and they stood them on a line on the pier facing each other, and then they were stripped down to their undergarments and inspected. They were expected for illnesses and for lice and for other kinds of bugs before they would be allowed to get on board the ship. And my grandparents were good Catholic kids. They had never seen each other in their undergarments, let alone standing on a pier with strangers. So it was humiliating. But they persevered, and they made it through the inspection, and they got on the ship. And then they traveled all the way across the Atlantic Ocean to New York City. When they did this, they were 20 years old. When they got to New York, they arrived at Ellis Island. And at Ellis Island is where Peg said she experienced the most humiliating experience of her life. 
Once again, they had to go through a health inspection and get stripped down to their undergarments and inspected for lice and illnesses and bugs and stuff. But this time, they also had to deal with immigration officers. And the immigration officers were mean. And they were mean to my grandparents because my grandparents didn't have English as their first language. And my grandparents were Irish. And you may have heard there's some stereotypes about the Irish. And <laughs> so it was hard and it was painful. But again, they persevered and they made it through and they were allowed to go to New York City. When they got to New York, they made their way to Brooklyn. Now in Brooklyn, they had extended family that was already living there. So they each went to go stay with their cousins. And so they weren't staying in the same place. And the first thing they did was write letters home to their parents to let them know where they were and that they were okay and who they were with <laughs> because they were good Catholic kids. So they were in Brooklyn and they thought about finding work and trying to make a living and they got to spend time together and they got to be together for their free time and they had fun. And my grandma Peg entered a singing contest that she won first place and the trophy that she won from that sat on her mantle until the day she died. Um, Ooh. <laughs> and, uh, so they were having a good time. The year was 1929. By the end of that year, the United States entered into the Great Depression. So life was hard. And my great-grandfather would write letters to my grandmother and say, when you're coming home, I want you to come home. And her answer to him was always the same. You know my terms. A few months later would go by, and he'd write again, when you're coming home, I want you to come home. And she'd say, you know my terms. And that went on like that for about three years. By 1932, the Depression was at its deepest, and things were really, really hard everywhere. And my great-grandfather wrote a letter to my grandmother and said, please come home. I need you to come home. I need your help, and you can bring Stephen, and you can get married. <laughs> so Peg and Stephen scraped up the money that they had, and they got themselves passage on a ship back to Ireland, and then back to the island. They got married in 1932, and they were married for over 50 years. <laughs> and they had six children, and it was a good life. And so, when I think about what my dad means when he says, you're just like her, <laughs> I think he's saying, I'm someone who will fight for what I want and fight for love. Thank you. <laughs>